You are listening to the Delay and Pray podcast, episode number 40. Welcome to the Delay and Pray podcast, where certified Catholic and weight loss coach Beth Bubick teaches you how to permanently lose weight through spiritual fasting. Get ready to gain faith and lose weight through a joyful transformation of both body and soul. Now, your host, Beth, the Catholic Fasting Coach. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you are taking the time to figure out how prayer and fasting fit into your world. The benefits that ensue are astounding in both body and soul. It is truly a wrestling match though. As with everything, you get excited for information that you think just may be the ticket to success for you. You begin, you see some progress, feel like this is the real deal. And then for many reasons in your life, start to veer off course, maybe even just a little. And this is normal. It takes time to figure out all the pieces of how to delay and pray. Over the past couple years, I have learned so much. And one of the most intriguing things I'm learning is about sleep. And the lack of it can get you off course if you're not aware of really what is happening. It goes without saying that sleep is so important to a vibrant life. And no matter what stage you are in, it's worth your time to figure out this part of your day since it should comprise approximately a whole third of your day or eight hours every day. Again, just like with everything, I have started making small changes every day with my sleep habits that I know will exhibit big results over time. I have proved this out with prayer and fasting in my life and have become very patient in the process. Everything takes time. This is true with changing all habits from vice to virtue and becoming a saint, including overeating and overdrinking. When you toss Catholic fasting into the force behind the desire to change, things get a little more serious and I can get more compassionate with myself as I ask myself the question, it is interesting when I tend to repeat this overeating pattern over here or this overdrinking pattern over there because it is in the middle of this compassion that I then find myself on an adventure of research just to find out how to combat that vice that I'm dealing with. The question for all of us then becomes, if I want to be a Catholic fasting expert, then what stands in my way? Well, I found out that one of the things was sleep. It's just not enough to say that the devil made me do it when things go wrong, even though this is often the case. The better question is how it is that a nudge from a demon was able to push me back into an old habit, often from the emotion of discouragement. Don't get discouraged. Just ask God to lead you to all the information about why you dropped into discouragement in the first place. God often leads me to study things from many angles, biological, neurological, and spiritual angles to find the answer, all three of these things. I'm finding that this type of compassionate research, this is, I call it like a compassionate research mindset. This lessens the pressure of the outcome, heightens the mission and reaches the goal so much more effectively. So my new saying this month is, you know, you got to wrestle, then pray, then trust, then wait, and then repeat. And it works. 
So lately, as I have been working hard on delaying sugar, flour, and alcohol to Sundays as mini feasts in celebration of the Eucharist and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I've stumbled on the importance of getting quality sleep. I've noticed that a lack of sleep makes it difficult to stay on protocol the next day and to spiritually fast. I know my sleep quality is partially food and alcohol related, so I set out to find out just how these things affect my sleep and what I could do about it. Wow, did I learn a lot. Food and alcohol absolutely factor into the sleep equation, as well as so many other things. And I was really surprised to find out just how much. So I'm recording two podcasts on sleeping. This first one is on how food and overeating affects sleep, and the next one focuses on alcohol. Now, I am not a doctor, so don't take any of this information for medical advice. See your own doctor for that. But I am reading so much literature and listening to so many cutting-edge science podcasts on the subject and also looking at YouTube shows, articles. It is amazing, the information that's out there. And I find it fascinating and very helpful, and I hope you do too. So first of all, I love sleep. Most nights, I think of myself as sleeping well. I don't need a lot of caffeine when I wake up around 5.30 a.m. and I thought that I only struggled with sleeping when I overate in the evening or even worse, when I combine that late night food with alcohol. Since I do not drink or eat most evenings, well, when I do consume evening food, you know, I don't sleep well. So I wanted to know why. When I find myself at a late dinner out, eating a large dinner along with a couple glasses of wine, I will find myself up and at them at 3 a.m. sharp. Does this ever happen to you? And then there I am reaching for like an Alka-Seltzer or something else and finding it hard to get back into the deep sleep that I love. Well, stress can also keep me up and late afternoon caffeine as well. So I wanted to consider all these things in order to figure out a way to have quality sleep. So here's what I'm fueling my intellect with to help me make those changes that my body needs to function at maximum energy. First of all, I learned that the goal is to get to sleep, stay asleep, get deep sleep, as in what they call slow wave sleep, which is SWS, as well as rapid eye movement sleep, which is called REM. And the REM is often associated with dreaming. So guess what? You need both types of sleep to be really healthy and refreshed because that is really the end goal is to wake up refreshed. Sleep is as important as exercise and nutrition. What does a good night's sleep do for you? Well, let me tell you. It combines memories, repairs the immune system, restores hormonal balance, and clears metabolic waste and neurotoxins from your body. The more commonly known advantages of good sleep include reduced stress, heightened immune function, lower blood pressure, more energy, clearer thinking, better problem-solving ability, weight control, and better mood. And as you can see, sleep is one of the most important factors for the normal functioning of our brains and is highly correlated to mental and physical health. Yeah, we know all of this. So I think everyone can agree that good sleep can help your entire life if you can delve into how much sleep you need and work on getting that amount. So let's discuss this because I'm finding that working on quality sleep helps my spiritual fasting efforts and my whole being. It's a cause and effect cycle. Good sleep, good decision-making, good fasting routine, good exercise, healthy body, good life, and back to good sleep. So we know that not everyone needs the same amount of sleep. Did you know that there are generally three types of sleepers? There's the night owl the morning person, and the one in between. 
Scientists think that this is genetically determined according to Dr. Matt Walker, who is a sleep expert and author of Why We Sleep. So maybe that's the first thing that needs to be considered here. When do you like to sleep? Is it possible to sleep then? Following your natural sleep rhythm or your natural sleep patterns is the first step. I like to go to sleep early around 9.30 or 10 p.m. and get up early. I have always been this way. After a good night's sleep, I often bound out of bed around 5.30 or 6 a.m. naturally and begin my day. I would say that I'm definitely a morning person. But as I am learning more about sleep, I realize I could work harder at a routine here because I often fall asleep on the couch right before bed watching Netflix shows. Okay, not a great idea as I am learning. Dr. Walker states that we are all unique and that a sleep schedule is the first thing you can work on as a rule of life when you can control it. In our Delay and Pray program, we work on a regimen of daily food protocols and journaling and eating, fasting and feasting on a weekly schedule as a rule of life that makes Catholic fasting much easier to manage and also to do it well on a daily basis. And that's the goal with sleep as well. Creating and utilizing routine works so that virtue is formed over time with the repetition of great habits over time. That's the goal. So it makes sense that sleep should fit into a regimen as well. Well, according to the good doctor, having a routine where you generally go to bed at night at the same time and rise in the morning at the same time will be very helpful in getting a good night's sleep. And in all the studies that Dr. Walker has performed, he states that everyone needs between seven and nine hours per night, depending on the person, to be able to function well on the average. Now, life is full of kids and work work trips and vacations and retreats and sickness and all the other things that wake you up during the night. And that's for sure. But just as any other routine that we work on improving in our lives, sleep is a great one to form overall and to reconsider as just as important as food. And here's why. Sleep is important for weight control. I've always known this. When I am tired after a poor night's sleep, I'm truly hungrier the next day. And this is scientific. We know through numerous studies that sleep affects appetite. Appetite is complicated, but I like to think about it always in terms of the hunger hormones, leptin and ghrelin that I always talk about in my course. These hunger hormones are neurotransmitters that are chemical messengers that allow neurons, which are nerve cells, to communicate with one another. The hunger hormones, ghrelin and leptin, are known to be the links to appetite. We know this. Ghrelin causes hunger, as in growling, and leptin contributes to the feeling of fullness and urges the body toward movement. Now, when in balance, the body naturally increases and decreases the levels of these neurotransmitters throughout the day, signaling the need to consume food when needed and then stop when satiated. Oh, if it could just work like that all the time, that would be great. Well, the problem ensues when there's an absence of good quality sleep affecting the body's regulation of these neurotransmitters. There have been studies done on men receiving four to five hours of sleep over a number of days. They were tested then to have increased ghrelin, meaning they are hungrier the next day, and decreased leptin levels. That This is happening too. This leads to decreased signals of fullness and exercise. And you know what? This leads to weight gain. This is compared to those who slept eight to 10 hours of sleep, by the way. So we scientifically know that this imbalance of ghrelin and leptin leads to increased appetite, low feelings of fullness, and less inclination to exercise, resulting in a propensity to overeat in people who are sleep deprived. 
ding, ding, ding. Yes, that rings a bell for me. And then the vicious cycle ensues with a bunch of caffeine thrown in there too, which would keep you on the cycle for days, ruining your fasting routine. Okay. Well, in addition, several studies have also indicated that sleep deprivation affects food preferences. Oh my goodness. Sleep deprived individuals tend to choose foods that are high in calories and carbohydrates because your brain thinks that these refined foods will give your body quick energy. And they do for a short time, as we know, raising your blood sugar briefly, but they don't fuel your body for long. So the cravings just keep happening throughout the day. Okay. This is not what we want. I have experienced this myself. I have a poor night's sleep and I want eggs and toast when I get up, when I normally don't ever eat breakfast at all. And then the funny thing is, is that after I consume it, because I think I really need it, I really don't feel any better because what I really wanted was a nap. Okay. So now I know this. So now when the feeling comes around that I think I need the eggs and the toast and everything else, I can say, you know what? That is not going to help. I will get my work done. I'll take a nap a little bit later, but the food is not going to help me. So now I know that. Well, sleep deprivation is a crisis in America today because we're trying to get more done in less time and watching Netflix or whatever is streaming on the TV, creating a sleep deficit that is hard to recoup night after night. I'm I'm in this group sometimes. I don't always watch Netflix every night, but I can kind of fall into the habit if, if I'm watching a really good series with my husband. Well, this is a huge part of why there's a strong correlation between poor sleeping habits and obesity. One third of all sleep deprived people choose high carb food and high sugar food the next day, as we talked about. This includes like candy and donuts and pasta and bread, as well as all those salty snacks, all the foods that lead to the high insulin response and then weight gain. Doctors are finding that when you are starved of sleep, you literally feel starved for food as well. That is crazy. I mean, it does make sense and happens in my life for sure. And I'm so glad now that I have this information so I can do something about it. So what is the correlation between sleep loss and weight gain? This is coming from the brain. The prefrontal cortex, which is the thinking part of the brain that plans and strategizes while limiting impulse control, is often slowed down by the lack of sleep. What takes over are the regions of the brain that are deep in the unconscious, full of patterns and neural pathways of habit. You know, that primitive part of the brain that if you're prone to it, drives excessive appetite, overeating, and yes, binge eating. These regions become hyper-responsive to these desirable high-carb foods. This makes so much sense. You're tired, you're not thinking correctly, and you just go for all of that that really high-carb stuff that you think is going to make you feel better. Because when I'm thinking about it, once I go off protocol and I have the toast and the eggs and you know, a few crackers with some peanut butter, whatever I have, I really don't feel any better because I really just need sleep. Okay. The sleep scientists describe this as the sleep deprived brain flipping into a pattern of activity that is associated with hedonic eating. And this is eating for pure pleasure. We just kind of fall into it. This activity actually leads to weight gain because it's hard to get back on track. And that's the truth. Another interesting fact is that dieting of any kind may come from muscle rather than fat because the body sees itself in crisis. So it doesn't want to give up its fat it's fat stores so that you'll continue to live. Hence the increase in ghrelin and decrease in leptin, making you hungry, not wanting to stop. And 
you know, this is not a great thing. So sleep deprivation can be really a bad thing for us. Again, the cycle of having you eating more so that you continue to live and signaling to the body to store the food as fat to convert to energy in this crisis situation is just natural to our bodies. Wow. I find this just to be so interesting. So the reason that this is so exciting is that you now know what is happening. Getting enough sleep is powerful and helpful to work on so that your life is performed at maximum levels of health. Good sleep will naturally regulate your appetite and keep you healthy. And when you are in those stages of life that you are not getting regular sleep, as with small children, now you can fuel your intellect with all the information and stay on protocol no matter what. This totally explains why we need journaling, the thought model, and Catholic coaching. These tools help alleviate stress and help us wind down at night. Even St. Thomas Aquinas stated that our last thoughts before going to sleep most affect the quality and quantity of our sleep. He advises praying from scripture, reading religious books, or other positive material as very, very fruitful, and not ending with Netflix, as I was telling you. I am working on a more vibrant prayer life in the evening rather than eating and drinking and watching Netflix shows at the end of the night. I'm having great success lately with this, getting into bed and praying, journaling, and reading before going to sleep is working well for the quality of sleep that I am getting. God always has the answer. And once again, he's showing me the way to a healthy lifestyle that is really only available through him, Jesus Christ, and aligning my will with his. No dieting is necessary here. Just healthy food at the right time, using the God-given body and soul abilities that are always working within me and setting up those Catholic rhythms of life that will have me healthy and on the trajectory to becoming a saint. It is challenging. I do fail and fail, but at the same time, I get a little better each time. It's that road of like three steps forward, two steps back, but net gain is the result. Poor sleep can lead to a consumption of between 250 to 400 calories per day. That's extra calories, by the way. This can add up to 10 to 20 pounds over a year. On the other side of sleeping is snacking before bed, which also has negative effects on sleep and our health. And that's one thing that I really struggled with for a really long time was that after dinner wine and cheese type snack. I don't do that anymore because late night eating not only increases feelings of hunger the next day, but it also increases the insulin response to the glucose in the blood. And we know what happens then. Ghrelin increases the hunger and leptin is blocked at the brain, which decreases fullness. And there you go. You have that circle again. Late eating also caused an increase in heartburn, discomfort in the body, and a decrease in the number of calories burned the following day. Late eating is also shown to cause molecular changes that promote fat storage. Again, the whole muscle versus fat thing that's happening again. It seems to me that eating right before bed is probably not the greatest thing to do for weight loss and for overall health. I'm glad I was able to kick that for the most part. Another theory behind late night eating and weight gain could be due to our circadian rhythms. The human body has a natural circadian rhythm, which is controlled by the brain to influence the normal ebb and flow of hormones. Studies have found that it's particularly responsive to daylight and food intake. Isn't that interesting that time of eating could be intrinsically linked to the circadian rhythm in humans as we normally sleep when it's dark out and eat when it's daylight? Well, that's interesting. When we eat late, this could challenge the natural circadian rhythms, causing disruptions to the body's hunger signals and the way it uses calories and again, stores fat. 
Very, very interesting. It took me a good six months to kick the habit of eating after dinner, even just a little. Now I'm literally miserable if I do it. Our bodies need that time to repair. God designed them to have 24-hour rhythms within our physiology and metabolism. Our bodies and brains need downtime with good quality sleep each night to repair, reset, and rejuvenate cells and mitochondria. Actually, every organ needs to have downtime to repair and reset as well. My best nights of sleep are after a small dinner meal ending before 7 p.m. with a bedtime at 10 p.m. This is perfect for my brain and body. The next step after overeating is the overconsumption of caffeine the next day. This was interesting as well. We think this is helpful, but the truth is that it often throws gas on the fire depending on how much caffeine and when you ingest it. A cup can be helpful but overdoing it on the caffeine will actually hamper your sleep that very night. Dr. Matt Walker says in his book that it isn't the caffeine that is actually waking you up right away when you drink it because caffeine takes about 20 to 30 minutes to actually work in your system. He says what actually is helping you is the warm temperature of the coffee because this warms the core of your body temperature and helps you wake up. I find this interesting. So you might try a small cup of half caffeine or even full decaf over time while trying to schedule in some exercise either that morning or later in the day when you think that you're tired instead of ingesting a lot of caffeine. Decaf and exercise will not be easy to shift to, but will actually help you in both the short term and the long run. I've started doing this myself and it really works. I'm going towards full decaf these days and my sleep is so much better. Again, all bodies are unique. Some of us are caffeine sensitive and some are not. Dr. Walker talks about each of us have liver enzymes that either speed up or slow down in the clearance of caffeine. So if you chart your data, you will know just how much caffeine you really need. By the way, coffee beans do have antioxidants that will give you a boost in the morning, mid-morning, or even early afternoon. But the great news is that decaf has the same amount of antioxidants as regular beans. Who knew? Love all this information. So maybe a cup of decaf in the afternoon after lunch helps after all. Remember, dose and timing really affect sleep. Dr. Walker suggests not more than three cups, and I'm talking about ounces here, not whatever your personal cup holds, and not consuming the caffeine 12 hours before going to bed as well. That means I should not have any caffeine after 10 a.m. So goodbye afternoon Diet Cokes for many of you. They're off the list, but that is for the best anyway. A wonderful and fruitful life is awaiting you with lots of good sleep and a bit of good food while making these small changes. This information about sleep is just life-changing and you can do it. I hope this podcast helped you. If you think a friend could use the information, please share it and subscribe, leaving a five-star review if you would, so others will hear the great message of Catholic fasting and learn to fast off sugar, flour, and alcohol, especially on Wednesdays and Fridays this year. Have a great week, my friends. Keep praying and fasting. Get great sleep, and I will talk to you next week. May God bless you and keep you always. If you are interested in learning more about spiritual fasting and permanent weight loss, then come join my course, Delay and Pray, a 12-week guided course for weight loss through spiritual fasting. You won't go through it alone either. I will be there to coach you every step of the way. This is a group coaching program where you are part of an amazing community of like-minded Catholics who have the same goal as you, to bring about miracles while losing that weight permanently through spiritual fasting. Your purchase includes an online course detailing what spiritual fasting is, how to do it, and all the tools you 
you need to get you the results you're longing for. Head over to my website right now at thecatholicfastingcoach.com and get the details on how to join. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and LinkedIn to always get the latest daily information to help you keep fasting, my friends. Can't wait to see you in there. May God bless you and keep you always. Thank you.